Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. My name is Jonathan, and I'm the host of my new podcast, 716 Bets. On this podcast, I'll be talking anything and everything NFL betting. I'm not a professional better by any means. I'm just a guy who loves NFL betting and just wanted an outlet to talk about it and share some of the insights that I've learned over the couple, last couple of years. I'm not the type of person who will claim to be able to win you millions of dollars or so that you can quit your job. I'm not like that guy, Fats, who's on at, like, I don't know if he still is, and at 10 a.m. on local Buffalo sports radio who'd always go, give us a call, bet some basketball, bet some football. No, I'm trying not to do stupid podcasts like that. I really want a podcast where I can just give people advice on games and season bets so that they can best have the best odds possible when making their bets and have the best insight that they can have. If you have ever have any questions, feel free to tweet at me. My Twitter account is at 716 underscore bets. And if you have any other topics that you'd like me to cover, I'd be happy to do so if I find them interesting. My plan for this podcast is to just go over some of the general betting principles that I've learned over the years of NFL betting. And I plan on releasing subsequent podcasts before the season where I cover things such as my favorite NFL win total bets, division winner bets, and Super Bowl and AFC NFC championship bets. So I'll cover all the future bets on a future podcast. And then before each NFL week, I plan on releasing a podcast where I discuss the football lines and tell my, tell you my favorite bets and who I actually am betting on. I'm based in California, so I always make frequent trips to Reno, so I do have skin in the game when it comes to this. Okay, well, without further ado, let's get going. Hello everyone, thanks again for listening. This is Jonathan, host of 716Bets. As you'll see in the way I discuss things and look at things, I might sound familiar to some other sports podcasters and just general podcasters that you listen to. The people that I gain most of my influence from are Colin Cowherd, Bill Simmons, and Malcolm Gladwell. And I was listening to a Malcolm Gladwell podcast the other day where he talked about how everyone always has a list of their 12 principles on life for other topics. And when I was thinking of a way to start out this podcast, I knew I wanted to go over just general betting principles that I follow. So I thought, hey, if everyone else is creating their 12 principles on things, I'm going to create my 12 principles of betting. So I'm going to go through just kind of my 12 major things that I've learned from betting over the few years that I highly recommend you follow if you want to be a successful better. ago. I think it was the 2016 playoffs. The Steelers were 
I'd say, I think they were between a three and seven point favorite against Cincinnati. And Pittsburgh was by far the better team. Andy Dalton was actually injured, and A.J. McCarron was starting for Cincinnati. And Pittsburgh was at full force with Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, the whole crew. So I bet on the Steelers. And through, I think, most of the game, it was into the fourth quarter even, it looked great. The Steelers were up 14 points. And then all of a sudden, if I'm remembering right, Ben Roethlisberger actually got injured. And Cincinnati ended up coming back. And while Pittsburgh ended up winning, they did not cover the spread. And I swear, I almost had a nuclear meltdown. So this showed to me, with football betting, you can't just identify the better team. The value was on Cincinnati in that game. Another great example from that is from the 2016 season. There was a week three game between the Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. So this was the last year of Jeff Fisher coaching the Rams. And I thought to myself, the Rams are a dumpster fire. Jeff Fisher is a horrible coach. And Case Keenum, who has nicely recovered in his career, was horrible at that time. So I said, I'm going to go all in here on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are so much better, and we're only about a field goal favorite. During the game, though, I completely forgot about that Tampa Bay's kicker, Roberto Aguayo, was a freaking head case. Tampa Bay looked like they were going to tie the game with an ex- with the touchdown pending the extra point, and he missed it. And, down, and it went just downhill from there. He missed field goals that game, and then Tampa Bay was just chasing those extra points that they missed, and they had no faith in their kicker. And also, the Rams got a fluky uh, fumble return for a touchdown, and they ended up winning the game outright when they clearly were not the better team. In fact, they only won two more games the rest of that year. They won four games that whole season. And I bet on one of them. I bet on one of them where they won. Bet against them on one of them where they won. So that just shows you, even if you know who's the worst team, with a small sample size like one game, you have to know where the value is. Because it's never as simple as just knowing the better team. This principle is that people always like to listen to these people on ESPN and other NFL shows who are supposedly the professionals who know about how to pick lines and who's going to win. But in my mind, these people are almost always wrong. At best, they're maybe maybe 50%, but they never are usually even pushing 50%. And I think the, the really the people who epitomize this are Mike and Mike, and I realize they're no longer together. But Mike and Mike always had the generic football take that I always knew this is what the general uninformed public thinks about this game. So my rule was to go the other way when you hear people like Mike and Mike all on one side of a game. So a great a great example of this, I remember I was watching NFL Live or one of the shows in ESPN in 2014. The Houston Texans started out 2-0 that year with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback. And they had a week three game, I think it was against the Giants. And I bet on the Giants because I did not believe that Houston was actually that good. I'm a Bills fan. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick. He can catch lightning in the bottle for a short period of time. But that is not a sustainable model. And I, and I listened to ESPN, and everyone was on the Texans, how good they were. 
just they were the best bet that week because the Giants hadn't started out that well. And the Giants ended up killing them. They won outright. So that just shows that you really need to take these experts' opinion with a grain of salt. And a lot of times, if you hear everyone going one way, then you need to run away from that as fast as you possibly can. Going along with this principle, not only should you stay away from the Mike and Mike pick, you should also stay away from what I call the chic Mike and Mike pick. So not only are there picks that are just plain bad, there are just these very popular picks that people think they're being very, you know, cagey and really thinking outside the box when actually a lot of people are thinking that. So this is a little bit of a spoiler alert from when I talk about some of my preseason bets. But this year, everyone is obsessed with betting on the Chargers over their win total for their season win total. And everyone says, oh, you know, a lot of people aren't saying this, but I really think the Chargers, they're going to be good this year. They lost a lot of close games. They should have had a better record last year. When everyone thinks that they found the secret team, again, stay away from that team as much as you possibly can. My number three principle is something that I find really simple, but it's actually really hard for new betters to follow it. And that's this, and I can't repeat this loud enough. Always hedge. Anytime you have the opportunity to hedge your bet, you must do it. So for those who you who you don't know or maybe are new to betting, hedging is essentially when you make one bet and you have the opportunity to make another bet, which would allow you to eliminate your risk overall, but could allow you to win more money. So sometimes it's easier just to give you an example. And I'll give you the example that might have saved me from a nervous breakdown. Me and my brother, who is my partner in crime for our degenerate gambling um, activities, we went to Reno. And by the way, we went to the Peppermill Casino, awesome place in Reno to watch games. We were watching the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl um, back in early 2017. And we bet on the Falcons for that game. And they were three-point underdogs. And at halftime, they were up over 20 points. So most people would say, I'm not going to hedge. I'm not betting on the Patriots in the second half. I'm staying with my original bet, and I'm just riding it out. There's no way the the Falcons are going to blow this lead. But me and my brother, being experienced bettors who have been burned way too many times... We hedged and bet on the Patriots in the second half. And the Patriots were six points favorites in the second half. And I think everyone listening knows how this story ends. The Patriots actually ended up winning that game, meaning that they blew away the six-point spread because, remember, they were down 23 points at halftime. So no matter how unlikely it seems, you should always hedge to eliminate your risk. Remember, Vegas always has the upper hand on you. Anytime you have the chance to eliminate your risk, and as well, the other thing that's underlooked about hedging is that you could possibly catch a middle. So in that scenario, me and my brother were actually so close to winning both bets. If New England, even if New England won, but it was by three or less, or if the Falcons won by, I think it was, it was three or less, then we would have actually won both bets. So we would have actually won more money. So with hedging, we had the opportunity to win more money 
and we eliminated the possibility of losing money on the bet. My next principle is something that everyone who started gambling probably has gone down the rabbit hole on, and that is never chase your bets. There's been too many times where I haven't done it, and I've gotten burned more than I needed to. There was one game, it was a Thursday night game, I believe, in 2015. It was a Bengals-Browns game. The Browns were horrible that year. And I bet on the Bengals, who were, I don't know, a couple points or seven-point favorite, something like that. And the Browns were up big in the first half. And instead of just taking my medicine and eating it, I decided to double down and bet on the Bengals in the second half because in my mind, they're the better team. There's no way they won't cover a second half spread. And of course, the Browns destroyed them in the second half as well. And instead of just losing that one bet, I ended up losing double the amount of money. So this is just to reiterate, never chase it. If you're losing a bet, cut your losses and take it. Live to fight another day. My next principle is that you should never bet on your favorite team. So when you're a big fan of a team, like I am with the Buffalo Bills, you don't have a clear head about things. You can't objectively analyze because you live and die with that team. So to me, unless you're hedging your bet for emotionally, what I mean by that is say you really want the Bills to win, and if you bet on them to lose... You're hedging your bet by, well, if I'm going to be depressed emotionally, at least I'll profit financially. That's the only time I recommend betting on your favorite team. Otherwise, stay away. My favorite example for that is I was actually a season ticket holder for the 2015-2016 season for the Bills. So that was one of that was the Rex first year under Rex Ryan when they started off the season by beating the Colts. And before that season, I actually bet on the Bills' season win total. I bet the over on it. And I think their over-under was like nine games, which is completely idiotic. The Bills were not that good, and I bet that they would win 10 games? I mean, looking back, it's crazy. But I was caught up in the Rex Ryan, all the hysteria, looky, looky, there goes cookie. And it just ended up being one of the worst betting decisions I had ever made. So I've talked a lot about things not to do. Now here's one that I definitely recommend doing. Bet on home underdogs. It's one of the easiest things you can do. It doesn't require any analysis. It's just looking at the lines and see who's an underdog at home. Home dogs historically do extremely well against the spread. Because when you're at home, you should get an extra three-point bump. So the way I always look at it, if there's a team who's at home who's an underdog, what you need to do is say, okay, for the team, say, so say a team is favored on the road, they're a three-point favorite. And what you do to see if that line makes sense at all, say, okay, if this team was actually at home, how big of a favorite would they be? And remember, you get three points generally for home field advantage, so you have to add six points to that line. So if there's a team that's a three-point favorite on the road, this would mean they would have to be a nine-point favorite to equate what you're seeing. And nine points is pretty ridiculous. That's a very high spread. So there's generally a lot of value on home underdogs. This past year, one of the bets that regrettably I didn't make because I couldn't make the trip to Reno in time, 
there was a Monday night game where the Seattle Seahawks played the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't remember the exact records, but it was when Philadelphia was on their large win streak and Seattle was kind of, was not floundering, but they weren't, they weren't in great shape. People were pretty up on the Eagles and were starting to be a little down on the Seahawks. And it was so obvious. I remember me and my brother talking the day before that game saying, can you believe the Seahawks are, oh, I think it was either three or three and a half point underdogs at home on Monday night. A home dog in prime time, especially the Seahawks who are a very emotional team, who it's us against the world mentality in that game. There was so much value on betting the Seahawks there. And it was so obvious. So those are the type of bets you need to look for throughout the year. Six principles down, six to go. My number seven principle is that you should always stay away from teams that have a good quarterback or a good team and a very bad coach. Because this, these teams, you never know what you're going to get with them. My favorite example for this is the Titans last year. I refused to bet on the Titans. I liked Mariota. I liked a lot of their team. But I hated their coach, Mike Malarkey. As a Bills fan, I had to experience two years of that man coaching. I do not think he's a good coach. He likes running the ball. When you have a quarterback like Mariota, who should be, be a playmaker in the pocket instead of handing off the ball. So I never bet on them, and I'm really happy I did because almost every game, I was my feeling on the game was completely the opposite of what happened. When you have a good quarterback who has a bad coach, sometimes the good quarterback can overcome the, the in spite of having the bad coach. But other times, they just really can't overcome having that bad coaching. So you never know what team you're going to get. So stay away from the good quarterback-bad coach combinations. My number eight principle is also pretty simple, but it's something that it's really hard for NFL fans to swallow, especially if they're a fan of a team, because there's so few games in a season, and they all mean so much. And this principle is don't overreact to wins and losses. If a team won a bunch of games, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win every game or they should be a huge favorites. Similarly, if you have a team that hasn't won many, many games in a year, such as say you have a team that's 0-13, those are actually some of the best teams to bet on because no one wants to bet on them because they think in their heads they're horrible. They never win games, but there's actually a ton of value on those teams. So never just go by wins and losses and don't overreact to wins and losses. This leads me into my, one of my favorite betting principles. For those of you who are more statistically inclined, you'll know what a bell-shaped curve is, right? It's high in the middle and then low on the extremes. So in football, I, one of my principles is the way you should bet in a season is actually the exact opposite of a bell curve. So high on the ends, low in the middle. And what I mean by that is you should place a lot of your bets very early in the season and very late in the season because that's when the most value is present for your bets. Early in the season, people have these preconceived notions about teams that are just wrong. So that's where they really make the mistakes on, say, week one. And then you have teams who always start out either 0-2 and 2 and 2 or 2-0, and 0, and everyone, as I discussed before, overreacts to their wins and losses. 
So one of my favorite examples of this was actually a Bills game that I was at last year. The Bills were 1-1 one one coming off a loss to the Carolina Panthers and were playing the Denver Broncos. And the Broncos were 2-0 and on the year and they had just come off uh, beating the Cowboys and they had beat... I think he beat the Chargers on week one when the, <laughs> the ESPN reporter, he's having the time of his life. <laughs> Anyways, in that game, um, the Bills were were home underdogs. Again, a thing I love. And it was week three where a 2-0 team in Denver, who I did not actually think was that good, was very overvalued. And if you bet on the Bills, they actually won outright. So that's just a great example of a convergence of my what some of my favorite betting principles. Home dogs and bet on the undervalued 1-1 one one or 0-2 team on week 3. Similarly, as I stated in one of, my, one of my prior principles, is that bet on teams late in the season who have very bad records. Because those teams generally aren't as bad as their record indicates, but no one wants to bet on them because the casual better just looks at the record. My 10th principle is actually something that I've adopted from Colin Cowherd. And it's something that I've found to be very true and have used it successfully in my personal betting. And that is to bet on teams with good quarterbacks who previously had just gotten embarrassed on primetime football. When you have a team with a good quarterback who just got embarrassed in front of the whole country... They are so not they're so motivated, first of all, to win the next week. And second of all, everyone saw all the public will overreact to that loss and say, I need to bet against them. They are not good. And they come back and they're completely undervalued. And a lot of times they'll cover the spread or even end up winning. One of the most famous probably of these is the Patriots a couple of years ago when they just got spanked by the Chiefs. And which was a game that I thoroughly enjoyed. And the next week, they just came out and just absolutely destroyed the Bengals. And everyone that whole week, all they were saying is, oh, is this the end of Brady and Belichick? And a few years later, as a Bills fan, we're still waiting for that day. So again, don't overreact to those wins and losses. Bet on the team with a good quarterback who got embarrassed on Monday night. Principle number 11 is my favorite NFL win total betting principle. And that's you should bet on the season win total on the over for teams that have who have a good team, maybe a good quarterback, and have had a huge upgrade at coach. It's so undervalued how big of an impact a good coach can have and how negative an impact a bad coach can have. So, for example, my biggest bet of the year last year was a huge bet me and my brother placed on the Los Angeles Rams. So my, my thinking was actually extremely simple. I don't have any fancy algorithms or computer simulations to come up with that there's value on them. So the year before that, they were coached under Jeff Fisher, who I think is a horrible coach. And under Jeff Fisher, they won four games. The Rams over-under win total last year when I bet on it was five and a half. And I bet the over on that. My reasoning was extremely simple. It was that when you have a good offensive mind like Sean McVay, who got tons out of Kirk Cousins in Washington, and you put him with a quarterback who clearly has some talent, Jared Goff, 
and whose defensive coordinator is Wade Phillips, whose defenses are literally always awesome. And even if they're not the greatest in terms of maybe points allowed or things like that, they always generate tons of turnovers, tons of sacks, a lot of defensive touchdowns. So I said, the combination of Wade Phillips and Sean McVay, you're not telling me those two aren't worth two more wins over Jeff Fisher? That's all I needed to know, and I bet on the Rams over, and I won that game by, I won that bet by like week seven. I didn't even have to sweat. That was the easiest bet I ever made. So that just shows you, just seeing where there's value in coaching changes is one of the easiest things to bet on for season over under, win total over unders. My last principle is something that I always try to stick to, and that's look at the lines before you either discuss it with someone or hear someone else's opinions on it. Because we're so easily influenced by other people's opinions on things. So what I do is before I listen to any talk radio, any ESPN, before I discuss what lines I think look interesting with my brother, I make sure I go through them and say, oh, I think there's a lot of value on this team here, or oh, I love this bet here. Because the second I hear someone say something, it influenced me where I'm not objectively thinking about things. And I go, yeah, no, that makes sense. And those are the bets you almost always lose where you didn't actually like them, but you were convinced by someone's opinion on them. The irony being that I'm giving you my opinion on how to make smart bets, but we're just going to ignore that. So that wraps up my 12 betting principles. Thank you so much for listening. And again, if you have any questions, comments, anything you want me to discuss, feel free to tweet at me at 716 underscore bets. And again, my plan is to release another podcast before the season where I talk about the best NFL win total bets, as well as my favorite futures bets for things such as making the playoffs, winning divisions, winning conferences, and winning the Super Bowl. Until then, everyone, bet smart.